0: Okay, so Parashat Vayeshev on page 198, Perek Lamed begins, Vayeshev Ya'akob Aviv be'Eretz Kenan. It describes the settling down of Ya'akob in Eretz Kena'an. Whereas Parashat Vayishlach had him far from Eretz Kena'an on his way to there, Rene, uh, Parashat Vayeshev has him settling there. He already encountered his brother Esav. He already dealt with that difficulty in his life. And now... It appears as if he's ready to settle down. In fact, even that initial word provoked Rashi and the Chachamim to notice maybe there was something negative in that. Maybe he shouldn't have at any point, maybe we shouldn't at any point in our life assume it's time to just settle down. There's always room for growth. There's always an opportunity for the next challenge to be overcome no matter how, how much you've been through, no matter how much uh, you have behind you in, in fact that's very much in the eyes of the hachamim this chilling description of yaakov wanted to just settle down vshalva he wanted to be in peace and tranquility Yosef. it's for that reason so to speak that divine providence had it that yosef's difficulties his trials and travails would now come in the life of yaakov all right that notwithstanding here's the description because we're now going to learn about yosef much of this story is already familiar to us, whether from the Pesukim or from the stories that are told. Here's the Yosef, whom we know as a 17-year-old young lad who's a little bit of difficult wording. Who's he shepherding? His brothers? Or is he shepherding together with his brothers. I guess the Peshat would be he's shepherding together with his brothers. And he's Naar, in some way he's in charge of, or he's involved with, B'nei Bilham whom he brings back words about them negatively to his father. that's the descriptions, the Yosef, again, uh, seems to be a tattletale. Is he doing it rightfully? Is he doing it in a juvenile way? Not fully clear from the Pesukim. But here's what I want to focus on most, because Basuk says, Yisrael, Yisrael, Yaakov, seems to love Yosef most, or he prefers Yosef most, from all his other sons, also a lot of translations to that word. Uh, The most simple one is that he was born as he was an old man, and there's a certain connection and bond in that respect. And as a result, Yaakov, nothing we're not familiar with, makes a striped shirt or clothing for his son Yosef. So several, in my opinion, questions here and comments, but the most simple that I think certainly for me strikes the eye and the heart immediately is, Yaakov, are you really doing that? Are you really preferring one child to the other? after everything you've been through in your life. And I'm not attributing uh, evil or positive to anyone's actions one way or another. I'm just describing reality. The beginning of Parashat Toledot described how Rivka was Ohevet Yaakov and Yitzhak loved Esav kisaid befiv. There was a dispute between the parents as to who was the preferred child. Yitzhak for some reason loves Esav, the words are I want to return to those words later on because hunting was in his mouth. Sounds as if Esau was able to provide food. That's what he loved. That's what began the dispute between parents as to who to prefer, as to who's the the more loved child began what was decades in Yaakov's life of difficulty. He ran away from home. He had a brother who attempted or wanted to take his own life. Yaakov, that's the childhood you had, the upbringing you had, which could not have been easy, it certainly wasn't simple, and with 12 sons in front of you, it's one thing if it's nestled inside you happen to love one more, also hard for me to fully understand, but not only that, you overtly (coughs) out in the open, designated through giving him a special striped shirt that he's the loved one, you're setting up potentially just everything to repeat itself. I mean, I know it goes without saying, it, it is what happens. Yosef is uh, the, 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 the eye of jealousy. The, 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 his brother's eyes of jealousy are on him, and ultimately speaking, sell him and, uh, and seek his death much as Yaakov had in his own life, how was it, what was it, that that Yaakov had in mind here in this moment, what was it that he thought was appropriate in so doing? More than anything, my question. Question again stated simply is Yaakov learning from his life's experience, couldn't he, shouldn't he have known quote unquote better than to prefer one child out in the open and make it clear to the others How was it that Yaakov was willing to or believed this appropriate in the situation of Yosef? So that's really a question I'd like to deal with. I'd like to give it some rationale. You might have a different perspective. There might be, I'm sure there are many different approaches. I'd like to give you just an approach, at least in my mind, uh, which I think has a lot of relevancy to uh, certainly us (coughs) as individuals, but uh, absolutely us as a nation as well. Uh, So that's the first issue. The second issue is not a question per se, but a comment. Here's an introduction to Yosef in the con- and the story of Yosef in the context of clothing. There's an immediate mention of this kitonet pasim, this again striped garment, or what does it say, fine woolen tunic. There are different interpretations to it, you might say multicolored uh, a coat, right, uh, that his father gives to him. Clothing in the life of Yosef takes on a very, very significant role from this point all the way through the end. Mm -hmm. Clothing, this very same garment, will be what his brothers will take off of him, and they'll dip it in blood and give it to their father. their father, Yaakov, after seeing that, will rip his own clothing. Yosef will be brought down into Egypt before We learn about the details there. The Torah, in this week's Barashah, tells us another story, the story of Yehuda and Tamar. And if you know the details, but even if you don't, there's a significant moment, the most significant moment, when this daughter-in-law Tamar, deceiving her father-in-law Yehuda, does so by cloaking herself in clothing. She covers herself, and in the ultimate moment where she reveals who she is to him, she hands not clothing, but accessories of clothing to him, showing that it was her all along. Clothing has a major role over there. Yosef has changed clothing when he's brought up into the kingdom of Paro, when he is uh, ascending to his uh, highest stature. The brothers of Yosef, when they, excuse me, Reuven, when he realizes what he, well, what happened with Yosef, and he blames himself for the sale, he rips his clothing, he rents his garments, clothing from beginning until end, with several others that I'm not even mentioning else, is very significant throughout. Eshet Potifar holds on to the clothing yeah. of Yosef and then shows it to everyone else. Clothing in a word is very much at the, at the center of the story of Yosef. In the most simple sense, at least in my opinion, clothing in a very real way uh, in our own lives represents control. And what I mean by that is um, when I want to show you who I am in this moment, so I'm going to dress the part. I want to dress like a rabbi because I want you to not respect me, but to understand me and see me as a rabbi in this moment. If I was attempting to be a, uh, I don't know, a football player, I would dress up in football um, uh, accessories in order to show that as well. Not per se because I'm playing right now, but because I want you to see me as that. If I showed up for an interview and I'm wearing one type of clothing as opposed to another type, I'm exerting self-control over my own reality. It might not match who I am, but my clothing will cloak and in turn give me the ability to take control over this circumstance. In each of these situations I think clothing represents that. Again, I think it's throughout our lives we dress the part we want to play and I think it's the life of Yosef as well. Clothing is a very carefully placed detail in this story to get across that point Every single time there's not so much more of a lesson on this other than that until I come back to clothing But think about it for a moment the clothing that Yosef is wearing his father is saying you, Yosef, although not being the oldest, will be treated like the oldest. You're the preferred child. I'm giving you control of this circumstance. The brothers rip the clothing off and say, you're not in control. Well, we're in control of it. Let's see. That's a very significant moment. Um, when Yosef is rising to greatness, he has to be putting on fresh clothing. And the need to tell us about that. That's when he sees in control. When Tamar is deluding Ye- Yehuda, She's in absolute control of the circumstance. When she hands him the accessories of clothing, she's giving him the opportunity to decide, do you want to cede control, or are you going to keep, on, keep your control in this situation? And Yosef with Eshet Potiphar, very much the same as well. She's effectively grabbing the clothing and saying, you're not in control over here, Yosef, I am. And if you think that I'm not in control of this relationship, well, then you're going to jail. That's truly what happens. So, clothing throughout the story, I think, represents that. This act of clothing specifically, I think, might be a little bit more. Uh, nuanced. It might be even more significant than just clothing. I'm going to come back to that in one moment. So again, I want to ask the question. question is, what was Ya'akov thinking in preferring a child? I want to notice clothing, and specifically this clothing of Yosef. And lastly, I want to notice as well the name of Ya'akov as it's used at the beginning of the parasha, because we already learned in last week's parasha that ya- Ya'akov now has two names, Ya'akov and Yisrael. He's kind of told that twice. He's told that after fighting with this mysterious Ish, whom we discussed last week and then at the end of that last week's parashah When Yaakov encounters God in Beit El, God tells him "Shimcha Yaakov, your name is really Yaakov However, you're going to have many nations and many children who are going to come out of you and for that you'll be known as Yisrael so it's almost as if God tells him in Beit El Yisrael is your name as the father of a nation Yaakov Shemcha. Shemcha Yaakov. That's your name. A personal name to your children, to your family members, to your colleagues. You're Yaakov. want to talk about yourself as a destiny-driven individual? Yisrael. It's your alter ego in a very positive way. That's Yisrael. So the beginning of parashat, and you have to as a result, and it's never simple, measure that out each time the names are are used one way as opposed to another. uh, Who do I wake up with that? Um, so each one of these, uh, uh, each time it, it's significant which name is used. So look at the beginning of the parasha. V'yeshev Ya'akov, so we're telling a description about Ya'akov. E'le toledot Ya'akov, we're hearing about Ya'akov and his family and his uh, people. And et then Pasuk Gima, the Pasuk that we're focused most on, V'Yisrael. Ahavet Yosef Mikol Do you pick up on the difference. There's a contrast immediately We've been reading about Yaakov personal story family man Individual who's got children, etc. And then as I'm telling you about the decision of Yaakov To give the clothing to Yosef and to prefer him to the other brothers. It says Yisrael and Yisrael again is destiny driven Yisrael is nation leader It's almost as if I'm suggesting already, this moment where Yaakov makes that decision to give the clothing to Yosef, the special clothing, the Torah is hinting to us, there's something more than just a dad loving his son. There's something more than just family um, politics and Yaakov thinking that Yosef is greater or more beloved for one reason or another. It's almost as if by switching his name in that pasuk the Torah is hinting to us, there's something very significant about Yaakov's decision in this moment to prefer Yosef and to have him, so to speak, as the chosen child, something having to do with the future of the nation that's going to be built, and that's what I'm suggesting already. So those are the details I'd like to set forth, and then I'd like to unpack it. So again, I want to somehow answer the question of how Yaakov's decision to prefer Yosef to the brothers, to have him as the beloved one, is somehow sensible. I'm going to answer that by saying Yaakov already is driven by Destiny nation-building he's not just thinking about my son as opposed to that son etc. He's thinking about something futuristic and I think an angle for attacking that for kind of understanding that Is by paying attention to the clothing specific nature of clothing? So here's what I'd like to suggest the point in the way I'm going to make it a little bit funny um, when it gets to the crux of it? I think I think it'll be fully understood the point that's being made uh, the description of the clothing of Yosef over here is not a beged, it's not a meil. Those are other words in Hebrew that the Torah will use for clothing. At many times, it's not any of the other words that we oftentimes find in the Torah associated with clothing. It's a ketonet, and ketonet is a very, is it now? I I, it. it does, it, it gives, especially tunic, yeah. Um, but a ketonet, a, and I think you're right, I think Ketonit is something about it being, uh, this is hashub, this, and, and it makes sense in context. But it's more than that, we've seen the word ketonet once before in the Torah. By the way, we see it again by the clothing of the kohen gadol, of course, right? It is, it's the HL clothing. Where did we see it already? We saw it on page 18. Page 18 is the first set of clothing ever crafted for human beings for Adam and Hava. The Pasuk says, upon banishment from Gan Eden, Adam and Hava realize after eating from Etz Hadat that they're naked. They immediately make for themselves hagurot. they make for themselves I don't know, belts or loin cloth, and God, upon banishing them, the Pasuk says here on page 18, Pasuk Kaf Aleph, God makes for them, I don't know, leather or skin kotnot, um, again, tunics, and he clothes them. Oh, pretty cool. That's interesting. What's the connection? Again, it means there's something significant. It's God's clothing and it's Yosef's clothing. So I, I did find and I want to lend significance to the midrash more than and way beyond taking this midrash. Literally, I want to tell you what I think the significance of this midrash is. There is a midrash that at one point I, I stumbled upon. and midrash has a very funny comment. It says that the clothing that we read about by Adam and Hava is the same clothing that we read about by Esav and Yaakov, and would you know it, it's the same clothing that Yosef is wearing as well now. Very strange. Now, there are, there are linguistic similarities, and for example, the Midrash says that Esav, the Pasuk says, oh, and there's some other stages in there, it says Nimrod, who was a strong, and the Pasuk says he was a Gibor Said Lifnea Adonai, he wore this clothing as well, it was, so to speak, this clothing crafted by God handed down over the course of generations to unique and special individuals. Let's listen again to the the description of who who was wearing this, Adam and Chava, uh, from God, after sin, no less, right? But God-given clothing, handed down to Nimrod, who the Torah does not see as a very positive person. He's the builder of Bavel and the eyes of the Torah. He's wearing that cloth, but strength and power in some respect. And somehow makes its way, and Midrash describes it to Esav, makes a lot of sense. Esav was ish yode'a tsaid, ish Sadeh. And Nimrod was a gibor side so the similar linguistics over there. And then Yaakov wears that clothing when he gets the biracha from Yitzhak, right? And Keep in mind, there's linguistics as, there, as well there. Rashi even picks up on this. That yeah, Haq's expression in that moment is, kere hasade Adonai. You smell like the garden of God. Rashi says, you want to know what he smelled like? He smelled like Ganeden Eden. You want to know why? He was wearing the clothing of Gan Eden. Oh, it's a, a, a spectacular Midrash, especially if you take a little of I mean... I don't know, I guess it smells good, it probably looked disgusting, it was thousands of years old, right? But Okay, regardless, I don't, I don't wanna take it literally at all. And then lastly, it means that Ya'akov, who's holding on to that same garment from the time that he got the biracha from Yitzchak, now hands that over to Yosef. I mean, it's, it's, it's puzzling and strange through and through this description, but moreover, there's a lot of difficulties, even, even theologically. Even thinking about it religiously, what is that? What, what are the rabbis trying to tell us? They're trying to tell us that the clothing which Esav got, and I can accept that, he got it from Yitzhak. Let's see, Yitzhak, we know, loved Aisav, And the rabbis are t- and let, let's now take it away from actual clothing and turn it into uh, a way of life, or a mission, or a legacy. So a legacy which was handed over to Yitzhak, and let's see the other person, Nimrod, of strength of bravery, of being a conqueror. That's who Nimrod was. So Adam and Hava who break out of, and let's call it this, because I'm getting to the point now, break out of Eden. And Eden is exactly what we wanted to say. It is a place of absolute spiritual connect. You don't need to deal with people. You have a connection with God, nothing more and nothing less. Their clothing upon entering the world Dealing with human beings is handed again, legacy, uh, continuity to Nimrod, evil, not a good person, but a conqueror, a political uh, expert, handed in turn to Yitzhak somehow. The rabbis describing this, who gives it to Esav? Pause for a second, and think for a moment. And we talked about this a little bit last week. What would and could Yitzhak see in Esav? That, so to speak, he hands over the legacy. Why would he be giving Esav the legacy, the continuity of something, unless Esav's strength, Esav's political abilities, were something significant as well? And Yitzhak realized that. And what I mean by that, before even continuing onward, is. I think about it literally in the last two months every day mm-hmm. I think about it every day because I think about how our strength as a nation we always assume and rightfully so it's very much dependent on our spiritual heights it's absolutely true but if we didn't have military if we didn't have politics if we didn't have country and nation which was unified in strength in the physical sense we would crumble as much as we could and should be connected to God in our fullest sense, in prayer and in Torah, etc., if we didn't at the same time exert ourselves as a nation through a certain strength on the political atmosphere, in a national sense, in building the country in the physical way, in building ourselves in terms of strength and might, we could not and would not sustain ourselves over the course of just from 1948 until today in the land of Israel, let alone as a nation several thousand years. We couldn't and haven't only sustained ourselves through our connection to God, although that's been the bedrock, although that's been the foundation. We never could and would be successful if that's all we were. I wonder if, and now getting to the real point, Yitzchak as the Midrash is imagining it, but the Pesukim as I understand them, hands over something to Esav, back in Parashat Toledot, because he says, Esav, there's room, necessary room for you in building these people. Ultimately speaking, it's not Esav. We'll talk about that in a moment. But Yitzhak says, we need strength. We can't just be the Yaakov, the example I've always given, and they have heard it from me, You know, uh, Rivka and Yaakov, and it's Haq, are d- debating, and they're disagreeing. And they're, listen, uh, 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 Rivka says, Yaakov, what a tzaddik. He's an Ishtam Yoshevo Halim. I, honey, how could you imagine anyone differently? I said, I, I, Honey, I, I, think, I think I understand what you're saying. I think you're right. And in that moment, he says, You know son, Let me just go check on him. He knocks on the door, and, and there's uh, Yaakov sitting at the chess table in front of him. And he walks back in and says, he's fantastic, but what's gonna be when, did you know what happened yesterday? I got attacked yesterday, because he was attacked, it's hot. How's he gonna defend us? He's great, he's a strategist, he's fantastic, he's connected to God, he's spiritual and intellectual, He's going to defend us, I think we need an Esav as well. That's what the Pesukim may have meant when it said that Yitzhak loved Esav Kitsaid tzayid b'fiv. Yitzhak understood that strength in building this nation, this future nation, will be not only through a Ya'akov, but we need the addition of an Esav as well. If we don't have an Esav personality, or not in the evil sense, I don't even know that he was evil, but not in the negative sense, but if we don't have a physical, political force as well, we can't and won't be successful. Ultimately speaking, when Yitzhak's eyes are not literally opened up, but to a certain extent opened up to reality, he says, He says, I can't believe it. I found in one person someone so strong, both spiritually and intellectually, while at the same time he was able to overcome the might of Esav. We can run this all through just Yaakov. What I'm suggesting then goes as follows. That Ya'akob's moment at the beginning of Parashat Vayeshev should not take us by surprise because Yaakov certainly learned the difficult lesson of a hard life. And that is, there's no just preferential treatment in 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 relationships with children or anyone else. And we have to be, uh, we certainly have to be emotive in the appropriate sense. We need to be dealing with each person l'fim ashehem, etc. This moment of Yaakov is Yisrael. The pasuk says it's Yisrael aha'v et Yosef mikol banav ki ben zukunim l'hulo lo ketonet pasim. The ketonet pasim, the Torah, which is hinting to us, is saying. Think about the ketonet of Adam and Hava. Realize that this ketonet represents the continuity, the leadership in Yosef, not only in the spiritual sense, but in the sense of Adam and Hava after they left the garden. It sounds ridiculous. That's a positive? Sure, that's our lives. Our lives are a struggle in this world. Adam and Hava began that with this clothing given to them from God. Yaakov realizes and understands, I need, we need someone who could play this game of life, who knows how to deal with people, who knows how to understand the political atmosphere of life as we know it, who knows how to understand that he can and will affect a lot with his spiritual connectedness, and Yosef certainly has that but he's also very sly, very shrewd, very understanding of people. His emotional uh, IQ is just as high, if not higher, than his intellectual IQ. He's a person who understands and knows how to deal with the real world. That's who Yosef is for Yaakov in that moment. It sounds, in saying this message, it sounds like the opposite of what you'd think a rabbi's message is going to be. Rabbi's going to say, just plug yourself into the books, and saying it's all just about prayer. And there's much to do about that as well. But we lose track of the fact that, that sometimes, if not oftentimes, we in assuming that our lives are governed by our spiritual stuff, and then there's everything else. We forget that the everything else can and should be part of the same mission. If you're going to build yourself in terms of coming, becoming the greatest person you can be, in terms of growing as a Jew, growing as a nation is the way I described it, you can't just be the prototypical Ya'akov. You need to be the Ya'akov who wears the clothing of Esav. You need to be the Ya'akov who knows how to manipulate the circumstance and arrive at a conclusion, at a situation that's appropriate and right for you. That's just a reality. And it's the story I've told a hundred thousand times because it's the best story I know for getting this across. I've told it to this class a hundred thousand times. I studied for several years with one specific guy. I actually went to high school with him and then we learned Torah for many years afterwards and like hours every day, like from nine to like, three, every, like without a break, like daily. Yeah. And we really learned a lot with him. We learned our rabbinical studies together. We, and more intense than I'll ever be. And, uh, and we were at a certain point in life, I know, 26, 27 years old, where we realized we have to decide what we're going to do with life. It's great, and we love learning, and we were, I think, doing it pretty well. But I, was, so I remember the day. I, I looked at him one day, I said, what are we going to do? Like what's, what's the plan here and mind you we were both married with children at this point. Oh, that's, that's God bless our wives God bless our in-laws for somehow accepting us without any plan anyway So I said yeah, I think I'm gonna become a rabbi. So I said, yeah, I figured that much So I said what are you gonna do? So I, I said you took all the tests. You're a rabbi already He said no, I'm not gonna do the So What do you plan on doing? He said I think in a year from now I'm gonna take the LSATs and I'll go to law school so, why are you going to and Mind you, he did it and uh, got into a, a very a prestigious uh, law school with a top scholarship. because Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I mean, if, you, if you're a great Gemara mind, you're a great law mind, and it's just it's very successful. I said, but why would you do that? And I remember really like yesterday, he said to me, because you know better than I do. The rabbi. it's all about politics. I'm going to go into a career. I'm going to want to do it earnestly, and I'll do learning seriously. My connection to God will be serious and uh, all, all straight in that respect. Uh, I mean, couldn't say no to him in that moment. But years later, and, and that's why the story is, is very significant to me because it really happened. I remember it you know, in the moment, catching him on this. He was visiting, I, I don't see him very often, I mean, he lives far away in New Jersey, and, um, and we see each other like once a summer. And so he comes and visits usually for Shabbat in Allenhurst, and uh, <laughs> so he was, um, we were eating dinner on Friday night, and he was down, I said, "What what's up? He said, oh, no, it's just work. I said, but you're a workhorse, and you're a diligence. And he said, it's not that, it's that it, the way it works in the law firm is, that Everything. It's not about how good you are and not about how much you put in. It's all about politics. Politics. And so it's like, David, do you hear what you're saying? Do you realize, and, and I really, because, yeah, I know, but it stayed with me, yeah. and in the moment, I because it, it re- resonated with me for some, every political issue, as a rabbi, I was like, yeah, he was right, you know, and then that moment, I was like, oh my goodness, everything's about politics. Not to say that everything is only politics, my no. grandpa used to say, everything is so only politics, funny. but if you're going to be successful in anything, including, and it's hard to say, it, but it's true, including in spiritual endeavors, including in really significant ones, like the land of Israel as we know it, there's going to be the politics. You're going to have to deal with people. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to be a Yaakov from time to time as it was then. You're going to then Yaakov in this moment, thinking about the future, realizing there's a nation ahead, understanding this is not going to be easy for Yosef. And there's going to be, dare I say, a family politics as a result of this. But he, I need to, and it needs to be clear and understood, he's the continuer, I see it in him. I know he has it. And the clothing in turn brings us back to that quote unquote shameful clothing of Adam and Hava, but maybe not so shameful, maybe real clothing. It reminds me as well, my, bro- my brother studied in Yeshiva in Israel, in Yeshiva ta- Haaretzion, right? shout out. Um, but uh, Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein was alive at the time. That's my father's rabbi, who was already deceased when Joe learned there. And uh, my brother was, uh, fin- he studied, he learned there for one year, and at the end of the year, my brother wanted to become a doctor. He ultimately speaking became a doctor, but he was very nervous about the decision. And so he met with the rabbi, and they said, told the story more than once. It's a, it's a legend in my family, this story, because my brother just got overwhelmed by the response. He went and he sat in his study with him, and Rabbi a little bit of a stoic demeanor and very uh, straight, this way or that way type of approach. My brother was looking for a little bit of an emotional response to this. My brother said to him, uh, Rabbi, I'm a little bit nervous. What are you nervous about? He said, I want to become a doctor. I said, that's fantastic. That's wonderful. What a career. What a vision. You're going to help people, et cetera, and so on and so forth. He said, but it's going to be very difficult. You know, how much time pre meds going to be really difficult, and then medical school, and then uh, residency, and then fellowship. And so the rabbi looked at him in the eyes and said, I don't understand the question. What's, what's the issue? He said, I'm just overwhelmed by all the work and how difficult. He said to him, I, in Ashkenazi, Kavara Adam amal yulad, So a pasuk, it means a human being is born for working hard. So my, my brother said, yeah, I know, but that's what I'm nervous about. He said, but adam amal yulad, in other words, of course, the way you're going to be successful is through that difficult, arduous, hard, strenuous stuff that you're going to have to go through. Exactly the same message, but it's very much related, and it's in the respect that we can and sometimes do delude ourselves into thinking that If I just stick to my, and they're very important, my spiritual goals in the strictest sense of what my spiritual goals are. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, that will raise me and grow me as a person, as a family, and in anything and everything I'll be successful. Without realizing, not that you should be doing things wrong, but you should be taking other things seriously. A war is not only won through Torah. A war is won through, unfortunately, guns and knives as well, and planning and strategizing and realizing that you need boots on the ground if you're going to be successful. So the story of Adam and Chava is so relevant. It's ironic initially. That's the connection over here, the connection to Yosef and Esav of all people, and Nimrod, and that's what, so to speak, the Midrash, the rabbis, want us thinking in this moment, as Yaakov gives this clothing to Yosef, with oh, the rabbis say, you know what you want to be imagining, think about Gan Eden. Beautiful vision, that's really nice, Gan Eden. No, 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 but not Gan Eden when you're in Gan Eden, because then you weren't wearing clothing, when you left Gan Eden. Ah, that's terrible mm-hmm. not only that Nimrod one of the worst people in history who built a city and a tower in it to go rebel in some way against God what not only that Esav's clothing which Yaakov took in the moment where he took a bit of ha- and then had 20 years of difficulty because of it. that's what Yaakov in this moment the rabbis want me imagining and realizing is given to Yosef but it's a legacy it's a it's a mission And it's part and parcel with a mission of of success in anything, and certainly in a spiritual and and national perspective. So parashat Yeshiv then, again, to go back to the initial question, could Yaakov have done something in our eyes more questionable than preferring one child to another? And the answer, I believe in this moment, is I know it doesn't seem right. And I know it wasn't simple in that moment, and it couldn't have been easy, but the pasuk alludes to us by telling us, Israel he's not thinking as Yaakov, he's thinking as Yisrael over here, he's thinking about what it means to build a nation. He's actually, ironically, tapping into the curious actions of Yitzhak. Yitzhak loved uh, Esav befiv, that said, that strength, that hunting, that ability to conquer, That's what now Yaakov is realizing. Something of that sort. Maybe not in the brute sense, but in the sense that he'll be the politician. Yosef was the politician. That's what he's handing over to Yosef in this moment. Um, What is it that Yaakov in turn hands to Yosef? Yaakov understands and entrusts within Yosef this, this continued legacy of this nation. And Yaakov, or Yisrael better yet, is in turn, and I think in a very significant way, in each of our lives, in very different ways, has a different meaning and a different uh, reflection of who we are and how we manifest it. But I think, as I was preparing, I thought the easiest way to portray it really was in the current events in Israel. You can think about it from the national perspective, but you really can, I think, need to, in a personal perspective as well, if we're going to grow as people, and we're going to understand that we have a unified mission and that's to grow ourselves as people. Being a person means not only being a spiritual person which is devoid or completely divorced of involvement in this world. It means I'm involved in this world. It means I'm, I'm successful in this world, but I dedicate and I'm connected in my success in this world to that spiritual side. Not that there's a division of sorts. Now, the same way Yaakov, so to speak, taught that to Yitzhak. When Yitzhak's eyes are open and he says, Yaakov, call Yaakov. I can't believe it. I found it in one. I thought I needed an Esaf to fight and a Yaakov to, I don't know, study and connect. Oh my goodness, I, I can find it in one. That's very much the Yosef. It'll be the personality of Yosef, as we'll learn it throughout the story now, uh, the, the rest of the Sefer Bereshit, because Yosef will shine. He'll shine, and you ask any person on the street, uh, depending on how secular or how religious they are, who was Yosef? Some will say, greatest politician ever. Others will say, Yosef Sadiq. Most will say, that's impossible. Well, that was Yosef, that's that's who he was. He was able to, so to speak, combine that mission which Yaakov before him had attempted, had begun, of the Kol Yaakov, of the Edainis Dehesav. It's in turn, I think, I, I, I can't repeat it enough, how significant and how important it is for each of us. Instead of that bifurcated, separate vision of who we are, some do this, others do that, I'm in this camp, It's very much a connected reality, which can and should reflect itself in anything that we do in life.